When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I apologize, I was muted, which is surprising. Great way to start the show. Thank you to Ryan Ogilvy in the chat to let me know that. Whoo, buddy. All right, so we're just going to go ahead and uh, move along with the show. I'll get all that information in just a little bit. This is Nate Bauer. Look at a different face while I hide in shame. Nate, how you doing? Is this thing on? <laughs> it is Can on. Can you hear me? Am I here? Yeah. Uh, here's Dave Eckert, everybody. Say hi to Dave in his refrigerator. Hello. Oh. As someone who's done that on the show like 50 times, T. Frank, I'm glad that somebody else did it. Yeah, but like <laughs> I'm the expert here. This is my job. Like, whoo, buddy. Uh, okay. Well, we can recover from that. What I said, what you could not hear earlier was um, 62,000 people showed up at Beaver Stadium yesterday. And by that count, we're going to have 40,000 people here on the BWI Live YouTube show. <laughs> it was a killer joke to start the show. Like, it was excellent. I was waiting to laugh. I, I wanted to hear it. I was surprised when you didn't, honestly. I was a little bit surprised when you didn't. Uh, here's what we need to you need to know. We're recapping the BWI, uh, the Blue White Illustrated Live YouTube show is recapping the Blue White game from yesterday. And uh, we're going to go through things we saw, our reactions now that we've had a day to marinate on everything. Uh, I've rewatched the film to get a better understanding of all those things. I know Nate's seen part of it. We're going to get Dave's reactions. I did not talk to you. Did you watch the? Did you watch it back at all, Dave? You know, I I don't have cable, so I can't. Record That's a no. It. So the answer is no. Well, anyway, um. <laughs> he talked to players after the game, so we're going to get his insight about those things. Uh, and generally, we're just going to give our impressions of spring football. And of course, super chats are enabled here on uh the uh, on the show <laughs> this is perfect that's exactly what i was doing this was the silent count to start the show we were going on uh on the leg lift and uh and the center missed the snap so uh we'll recover this later. was your iowa this you know? was my iowa that's exactly yeah. right um so let's get started and uh i want to ask you both this and dave we'll start with you what part of this this team do you think you know more about in totality with the spring? From the beginning to the end, what we heard from James Franklin, what we got to see at practice from the blue-white game, where do you feel like you've learned the most about the Penn State football team since week one of spring football? You know, it, it's the offensive line, I think, just because he literally, James Franklin, gave us the depth chart, <laughs> you know, um, and, and really for no other reason than that. Um but, you know, outside of the offensive line, I think we know a lot more about um, the safeties. We've talked a lot about the safeties, and I know we're going to talk about them some more today. But um, if I were to pick the two units on, on either side of the ball, those would, those would be the ones that I would go with. 
Nate, what about you? Yeah. You know, look, uh, I'm going to do this as delicately as I can, but I think that we spent, right, like January and February and most of March hypothesizing the possibility of Sean Clifford not being the starting quarterback in the fall. And I feel very comfortable, confident, secure in saying <laughs> that 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 uh, that hypothesis uh, did not go anywhere, should not go anywhere, yeah. is not going anywhere. Right. Like just it's that, a, it's a dead issue. And yep. and so like the fantasies that happen in the minds of fans, I think, um, you know, kind of kind of met their end. This is the horse that you're riding. Go, go for it, right? Like get get behind Sean Clifford and yeah. go from there. I, I had a I had a section on the show that I was going to do of James Franklin quotes that make sense now after watching the blue white game, and one of them was <laughs> Christian Veyu. Hey, he's good. He's built on what he did last year, and we literally saw nothing from him last year. Like I know the Rutgers game got everyone excited, but we saw nothing because they were running something completely different than what you would show a freshman quarterback. Watching him in the blue-white game, I think I, I picked up on some things that, uh, yeah, to Nate's point, it's going to be Sean Clifford because there's nobody that is pushing Sean Clifford for that starting job. Um, so, sorry, you were going to say something. Well, no, I mean, I was just, just going to follow in just saying that that you you feel much more comfortable with Christian Veyu as the backup. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. It, it, there's, uh, and, and I don't think that Christian Veyu is necessarily in danger of being pushed right i mean I, yeah. I, yeah you you want that to be the the competitive atmosphere but look like <laughs> if 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 there is a story of the spring in my mind it's that what you should expect is what happened yeah 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 um yeah it's not to say that that christian value was bad but just some of the holes that in our knowledge, we filled those in and they looked a little bit different than what you probably would have hoped if you were a Penn State fan hoping somebody else was going to play in this game. If you've got a question or a comment about the blue-white game from yesterday or something you want to know more about, drop that in the chat. Another thing that I was trying to say when I was muted earlier. Uh, and of course, Super Chats are enabled, so if you like donating to the channel... Um, and if you, if you want to donate to the channel, I can turn my mic off if that's what you want me to do again. But Dave, uh, we didn't get your thoughts after the game yesterday on uh, what you saw and what you thought about the game. So quick impressions. What stood out to you from the blue-white game? My first impression is that I hope they never do that format again. Um, <laughs> but my my second impression is, is, I mean, it's about what we expected, right? Like outside of um, a couple walk-on linebackers making some big plays, I mean, I it was kind of what you thought it was going to be, you know? I, Sean Clifford looked all right. You know, the guys behind him looked like they need some work. And 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 that's kind of what I figured would be the case. Um, you know, the defense was ahead of the offense, not only on the scoreboard, but I just think in in totality of, of what we saw. And again, that's what I would have expected, even with the new defensive coordinator. Um, I think that's so a bit yeah, of an issue. You know, I think honestly, yeah, I think probably. that's a bit of an issue that the defense installing something new and we'll get into this a little bit later about some of the things I found interesting for Manny Diaz. But Nader, is that a concern that the defense 
felt like they were doing a better job, even though they're still learning what they're doing. And and to to be to give you an idea, it is similar, but very different from what Brent yeah. Pry was doing. Yeah, I mean, look, like, uh, as bluntly as I can be, if if you're a Penn State fan and didn't already um, feel as though the offense was a serious, serious concern for this football program, like, period, right? Then, then I don't know what to say, right? I mean, because, because the, the, the defense has had consistency. I understand uh, new defensive coordinator, there are there are things that need to be adjusted and picked up. And I think that there is personnel that has some experience there. Like the, 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 the defense has kind of had that system of natural progressions, right? Like the, the, you see guys that come in as freshmen and play a little bit and then yep. they become sophomores and play more, right? Like that has been the, the way that that has worked. The offense has just been more disjointed than that, I think over the years, uh, yeah. particularly on the offensive line. And so when you've got the offensive line, having the issues that it's already had, uh, Phil Troutwine, you know, getting his system in, Mike Yersich do, doing what he wants to do, some of the problems that they've had in the running back room, like all, all of that has to be molded and turned into some type of coherent picture. And, uh, you know, is it a concern that it hasn't happened yet? Yeah, I think that it should mm -hmm. be for Penn State fans. But at the same time, that's what that's what the summer is for. That's that's what all of this process is for getting toward uh, August. Got a couple of comments here in the chat. If you want to throw those in, you got a comment for the blue white game or something like that for the staff. Uh, the running backs coming up pretty quickly here on the show. I thought we'd be getting the quarterbacks sooner than that. Uh, Lambda says Catron Allen looked faster than I expected. He also says hard to take so much from a few reps, but he really liked the way the freshman looked. And then Glenn says uh, that Kevon Lee looked a lot faster did he drop some weight? He had some real burst and made guys miss. Dave, uh, which one of the running backs stood out to you? And uh, what do you think about Lambda and Glenn here when it comes to their opinions about the running backs? Do you agree with those guys? Who do you think of those two stood out more to you? I agree with Lambda. Um, I, I didn't maybe, you know, I, I didn't notice a ton more burst with Kevon Lee. I'm going to be totally honest. I, I want to, I'll defer to what you guys think there, I guess, but the one that really stood out to me, and, and we haven't mentioned him here, is Devin Ford. I thought Devin Ford looked great, and I know we want to talk about him a little later. Um, yeah, let's, let's me, do it now. Let's talk about it now. It's sure. here. So, let's uh, dive in. Yeah. Um, so you thought Devin Ford was was the guy that looked, and I know, Nate, you, we and I, you and I were talking about this earlier today, about Devin Ford and how he performed in that two-minute drill. So is it just that part of it that stood out to you? Is there something more from the spring that you've heard or you've seen? Um, you know, look, like I, I think that he is a guy who has had kind of this up and down career was thrust into a moment that he might not have been ready for in 2020. Uh, but like if, if you're paying attention, which I mean, obviously I am and obviously I have to, James Franklin has been complimentary about Devin Ford for years right? Like there, there are things that they've wanted to improve. Uh, it it kind of ties into some of what James Franklin has said about everybody's path being different. And 
look, there, there's kind of a reality that the fact that Devin Ford is still in the program means that Penn State wants him. That Penn State has value yeah. and assigns value to what Devin Ford brings to the field. Um, I, I think that as a pass blocker, he, that was somebody who was mentioned previously last season as as being, uh, you know, less afraid of taking on pass blocks. Yeah, like the, it's, yeah, <laughs> right? the, I mean, the aggressiveness. So he's playing like a guy that knows what's on the line. I'd say that like right. Devin Ford has always ran hard. I have never had a problem with that. But the the thing that you and I were talking about earlier today is. The reason to me he flashed was, and it's correct to say that those were two very good runs where he broke through and there was a 20-yard run, and then the other one, which was about eight, and and you described this, I, I thought, really well. But the thing that stood out was he lowered his shoulder into the safety during a thud period. So, like, he right. finished with violence when everyone else is kind of pulling up. But that's yeah. indicative of a guy that knows what's on the line. So he's... He played like that last season, but he was injured. He was burying guys as a lead blocker. He was doing it as a pass protector. It just, he was hurt. And and truthfully, like, the same problem is going to be there this spring. And that's why I kind of, like, push the brakes a little bit is, I mean, he's listed at 190 pounds. Like, I, he's yep. he's got to be protected by the offensive line, give him clean running lanes so he can do these things. And that is more of a possibility this year. Yeah. Well, I don't, I mean, I think it's just a matter of how you contextualize him, right? Like, is is he a feature back? No, no. But, but that doesn't mean that you still can't find avenues for him to contribute and for him to make a difference. And I I, I mean, to me that there is something to be said for having a guy who really no one is talking about, right? Like no one has him on their radar as as somebody who's now going to be talked about, right? Like yeah. we are having this conversation. Uh, I, I don't know that Nick Singleton and Katron Allen and Kevon Lee and Kaziah Holmes are watching this. They probably aren't, <laughs> but somebody, somebody <laughs> might. Yeah. And, and that, right. Like that there's a bug in your ear. And so like, I mean, I think that that some of the things that we've heard from uh, Jaywon Sider over the spring is like begging these guys to appreciate and understand yeah. the value and the impact of, of like inviting contact. Yep. Um, yep. Right. Like yep. Running through guys. Stop, yeah. stop trying to run around guys. Take the, take the hit, get your yards, get down and, and go to the next play. Yeah. I, I, and, and to, to, I think it was Lambda or it was Glenn's point about Kevon Lee I don't think he was faster. I think he was more decisive. And the yep. thing about Kevon Lee last season is is he's just not fast. And yeah, to I am disparaging all the running backs today for some reason. Uh, and I apologize. Uh, but what he did is he had better vision and better decision-making as a runner. And then that violence that he can run with takes over. So the quickness and then the burst to his top speed is more evident but when he breaks into the open field, it becomes kind of the same conversation. But at that point, you've gotten the yards that were there. Like, he's helped the offensive line by doing that. That's what Devin Ford did. His cuts on those plays were legit, where he put yep. a guy in the hole and then bounced to the other one. And that's what you're supposed to do as a running back, is have that suddenness and make the linebacker wrong. And that was on, on the first play by, by, um, by, Dev, uh, by Devin Ford. Curtis Jacobs bounces into another hole to try and head him off of the pass. They're over-gapped. He has to make a decision, so there's not enough guys for the gaps. And then 
Devin Ford takes off for 20 yards. That's the sort of stuff that was missing last season. And that's the burst, to your point, Nate, that's the burst, and that's the sort of big play that Penn State needed. So having more of those guys on the roster, I think, is very important. It's not just Nick Singleton. Uh, and it, we'll get to uh, M. Shive's point and his question here uh, about that because Kaziah Holmes can also do that. Nick Singleton can do, can do that. And Devin Ford can do that. So you have three options in the backfield that create some uh, explosiveness. But one of those guys was not present yesterday. And let's just run down what we observed. Dave, you were following in the live chat over at the BWI premium message board. Another reason to sign up for just a dollar, get 12 months of access. You get real-time information from us in the stadium on the Lions Den message board pregame, during the game, updates like so. So who wasn't available? Because uh, Elsden was missing, according to M. Shive, and, and he didn't play yesterday. So who else was not there. Yeah, Elsden was one of them. Let me just pull up that thread real, real quick. I, Theo Johnson didn't play. Yep. Um, yep. Parker Washington didn't play. Keziah Holmes. Um, let me. Oh, uh, one sec. Let me just pull this up. I'm going to stall. And while I stall, I want to point out just um, related to the other question that we had about Kevon Lee about his weight. Yeah. He's at uh, he's at two thirty four right now. Um, he started last season at uh, 239. Yeah, so, so about five pounds. Yeah, um, I don't know if that's, I mean, T. Frank, you're better with that stuff than me, but that doesn't seem like transformative, but, you know, it, I guess everything helps. I, I, wait, um, once we get past 230, I think it's all, I mean, he's not 250. Like, he's not a Brandon Jacobs size. Um, I tend to think anything over 230 can be a little redundant. So 234 might be the sweet spot. Uh and, and that might just be a natural progression of building size and then refining size. He's always been a big dude, but I do think his violence of contact was better. That efficiency, the body lean, you know, the leanness, all those things. It is better, but I don't know that it made him fast. It just made him more efficient. Um, okay, I've got I've got our thread here. All right. Um, no Bryce Effner on the offensive line. Um, no Kaziah Holmes, like we said. Um, obviously no PJ Mustafer and, uh, Charlie Catcher was in a sling. So I think we're covered as far as, uh, yeah. injuries and non-participants go. Um, so there you go. Those are the players that didn't play, uh, and that some of those guys we've been tracking for a while, like Parker Washington mm -hmm. had not really been doing anything at practice and we had, you know, kind of chronicled that at least on the premium message form where you can get that information, but not playing is not anything, uh, I, I, largely unexpected but i also don't think it's anything serious or anything you need to worry about because it's still in practice still available uh nate yeah he was dressed so he just right. didn't get any rest. um i want to go into players that stood out to you during the scrimmage so obviously not a full contact game yeah. there's seven on seven so a lot yeah. of these guys and a lot of these observations it might be biased towards Positions that you saw more of. Uh, but given all those things, Nate, yeah. who stood out to you in this understanding that it was a scrimmage wrapped in a practice? I mean, I'm going to I'm going to make everyone mad. I should have been the last person that you go to on this question. Uh, who who stood out to me? Uh, Sanders to Heideck. 
the kicker. I Le- thought his leading leg, with our fastball tonight. <laughs> I mean, I mean, look, like, I, I, there are other things that I can say. Sure, right? Like, I, I mean, yeah, I noticed the quarterbacks. It, it is so hard for me to take seriously any performance of a quarterback who knows that there is no chance that they will get touched yeah. by a defender. Yep. Like, I just, it's it's not football. <laughs> Yeah. bottom line and so like that that took to me that kind of precludes them from being part of that conversation uh to, to my point about sander is only that i think that his leg talent is clear I, I, right like i i just thought that his kicks and i've thought this previously uh you know in terms of what we saw this spring his kicks just look like they have more pop i don't i don't i'm not a kicking scientist there are people who know far more about the art of it than i do uh it's just one of those things that people actually talk about um you know in golf and in baseball right like how it just sounds different how just right like it's just a little bit different uh that that's what he represents to me is his kicks look different they seem different than jake pinnegar so uh, there, there is the player who wasn't a player of the game, but definitely stood out to me from Saturday. Uh, what about you, Dave? Who's the guy that stood out to you? And please tell me it was somebody on offense or defense. I'm actually going to pivot. Um, I'm going to go with <laughs> with Harrison Wallace. Um, okay. Just because I think he made the best play. Yeah. You know, he, he, he wasn't super, I guess, visible for the entire time. but. Yeah. Um, I think it was during seven on seven. Um, he just kind of got a jump ball in like the corner of the south end zone and just, you know, went up and got it over Johnny Dixon, who yeah. we think is going to is going to play, maybe yeah. not start, but definitely play for Penn State in the fall. So, um, yeah, really, really good catch. Good body control to come down in bounds. Yep. Um, you know, Penn State needs guys that can do that. So I, I thought that. Um, for that reason, you know, you're just kind of, you're just trying to hook on to anything. With that this, was right? also, you know? so. so can I stop you? That, that was also not a play yeah. that should have been made. Uh, and I'm going to break this right. play down this week over at bluewhiteillustrated.com because if you watch, uh, Jalen Reed puts his hands up like, yes, we baited the quarterback into that. And then <laughs> Trey Wallace comes down with the ball. And it just shows you a couple of things about Christian Veyu and about Harrison Wallace. And I just thought it was a very fascinating play in the red zone that I'm going to break down a little bit later. So, yeah, it was a very standout play when you watch the film back, too. Um, uh, M. Shive says, the ball comes off Sanders' leg different than Pinnegar's. And I know why. He's a lefty, Nate. That's why. Not because cause he's a lefty. So there's some lefty bias going on. Uh, for I'm me, saying... I mean, I... I, I I know I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna get to a point where I now have a reputation about this, but I fast forwarded through all of the special team stuff in my replay. Didn't even today. hear me. Uh, <laughs> um, my guy, my guy was Zachy Wheatley. Uh, I thought he was. I've liked his potential, and I like I said multiple times, I wanted him to stay at corner because I think those skills are useful of being long, physical, and fast at the corner. But in Manny Diaz's defense and, and and really like if you go watch James Franklin's press conference this is what my question was really all about was he's a corner playing the slot but he's a safety his patience his um he doesn't bite on anything his feet are planted in the ground you make your move and then he bursts at the football those like that's special 
his ability to break on the ball, I can see why he had so many interceptions this spring. Because a lot of times defensive backs just pull themselves out of position by following, trying to mirror the receiver. He lets that cushion happen. That's the reason he has those five, six yards off the line of scrimmage. And then when the receiver declares their route, he is like a panther. Like just bam, he's there at the ball. He did that twice in the two-minute drill. I thought that was really impressive. He did a couple of other things throughout the seven-on-seven and uh, the early part of the scrimmage. I think he's... I don't just think he's going to be a factor because I thought he would see the field. I mean, I think he's going to work himself into having a role, having a a package on the defense. And the multiplicity now that you have between Tig Brown, who's lining up in the slot, covering players in man coverage. Zachy Wheatley can do it. Zaki or Zachy? I need to make sure I have that right. Um, and then Jalen Reed, who can play Zaki. at two levels. Yeah, it's Zaki. It's Zaki. I just keep seeing yeah. Zaki for some reason. Uh, so those three guys, and then obviously Keaton Ellis, a former corner, that has some steadiness and versatility. They have a lot of guys in that secondary that can do a lot of different things. You can put them in different situations, and they have skills to do them. So that gives you the ability to, to uh, I think, it make it very hard on the quarterback if they, you know, if you got the pass rush married with the coverage, all those things. So that was Zaki Wheatley to me was I now have higher expectations for him and what he can do this fall than I did before. And that's obviously backed up by everything we heard from the coaches and the other players this spring about what he's done so far. Okay. I know that we st- we, we prefaced all of this by saying you can't take too much from yesterday but we are going to talk about the quarterbacks i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna hold you in your seats until you say something about the quarterbacks we're gonna go through all four of them so i want you to give me and by the way i should say this if you're watching the show i am forcing these people to say things about quarterbacks that they're probably a little bit uncomfortable with so give the show a like and if you're feeling very generous and you want to watch them squirm make sure you share this with your friends because we're going to spend a couple minutes we're going to really sit here on this topic for a little bit uh so it helps the show out it's entertaining and i want to get to the same number of people that penn state had at the football game yesterday which was like sixty-two thousand people which we can easily get if that's by the way they were all in the parking lot if you yeah. watch it was a it was a beautiful day i was like there was like 200 people at a tailgate that i could see from the press box that number may have been in Happy Valley, but there was not that number in the stadium. So, Nate, I want you to yeah. talk to me about what you saw from Sean Clifford. And if you want to, you can you can thread in things you saw from him this spring. Yeah, I, you know, I think he looks comfortable. Yeah. Right. And, and I don't know if that's. You know, like, I I just, I hate, and I'm saying that I hate it, but I actually love it, Uh, right? Like, I I hate being a psychologist watching body language, but the positive interactions between him and Mike Yurcich, him and James Franklin, just just his comfort level with his teammates, I, I, I just see a guy who has had an opportunity to grow up over like right before our eyes. And so some of the things that I think were, you know, maybe gave him a little bit of a reputation earlier in his career. Like, I mean, again, like I just, I feel dumb for talking about it in these terms from whatever 15 passes, 10 passes he threw in the blue white game. But that's, that's my takeaway is this spring. He looks 
acts, talks, behaves in public uh, like a guy who is is slipping into, you know, like a warm glove, <laughs> right? Like the, the catcher's mitt is all oiled up. He's been I was using thinking, it for years. I was thinking Dave's sweater from yesterday because you were saying he was comfortable. It sounded like hot chocolate and a nice sweater that you wear. Like, it, Dave, it looked like you were going to a Christmas party. I was like, it's a little warm for it that, was, isn't it, Dave? It was, and awful decision (laughs) (laughs) because i mean it it was made based on two factors one is i really need to do laundry the second is uh i was out in the morning you know meeting some friends at 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 a tailgate and just chatting and it was chilly so you know uh meanwhile in the beaver stadium press box if it's any anywhere over like 65 degrees it's 90 in there (laughs) so that was unpleasant yeah, you um, sat in the front row, so you get all yeah. that sunshine. Yeah, it was awful. So, um, <laughs> Dave, tell me about uh, Sean Clifford wearing your sweater, or whatever you want to say about Sean Clifford. Yeah, I, I he did not wear my sweater, but um, you know, I, 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 I mean, what he did in the game was limited. I mean, I don't even know if he took ten reps. To be honest, um, he looked fine. Um, but, but again, I kind of, I, I agree with Nate, right? Sean Clifford, when 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 things aren't going well, like it can kind of feel like talking to us is a chore for him, and it is because well, I mean, you know, that's that's just something he has to check off of his list. But yeah, after the game yesterday, he's cracking jokes, he's smiling, you know, he just seems positive. Yeah. and if you're Penn State, that's what you want from Sean Clifford. So, and 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 not only for the sake of Sean Clifford, but for the sake of the three very talented quarterbacks that he's kind of charged with being the mother duck for, you know? So, um, you know, it's just, uh, it was good. Good vibes. I feel like we're, this is a nursery rhyme. Now he's a mother duck in a sweater. I love it. The imagery from this show, if I could pull up Sean Clifford as a red haired mother duck in a sweater, I feel like we would have won the internet for the day. Uh, and if there are any talented artists out there, you know, throw that at us at Twitter, at Thomas Frank Carr on Twitter. I would love to see that. Uh, I I, ha- I have to interject. Uh, none of this conversation is going to win or lose football games for Penn State this fall, no. right? Sean Clifford being three or four plays different to the positive side a game will win or will lose games for Penn State this season. His completion percentage is fine. Yeah. It really is. Yeah. Uh, his turnovers and mistakes at inopportune times are are not. And so that was like the worst thing in the world in 2020. We know this. It got better in 2021. It needs to be even better this season. Um, And so when I see like this and and I'm contributing to it, so I hate it. Like I don't, I don't want to be that person who's rolling the ball forward in that vein because it, it genuinely has nothing to do with any of that as to whether or not he has a successful season. So I, let, I think let me, let me stop you there and I'll, I'll give you my observation because I think it's a, it's a fair counterpoint. The first thing though is uh, uh, buddy beetle beetle. We're, we're having, we're having some fun here, bud. We're, we're having some fun. Like it's okay. <laughs> it's okay. There, there's three months before the season starts to be like, ah, at this point, I don't know if you have blood pressure medication, but like, you know, hope hopefully we're we're all having fun here. Um, but Sean Clifford looked being comfortable 
and making good mental decisions at the line of scrimmage, pointing out the protection, making sure everyone's on the same page, uh, going through your progressions. I remember this time last year watching Sean Clifford and going, this is going to be ugly because he he was not getting through his progressions. He was throwing balls to players that didn't make any sense based on the coverage. And uh, he didn't do that in the season, by the way. He did not do that at the start of the season. He was not as good as maybe you would have hoped, but he didn't make huge mental mistakes for the first part of the season. Being more comfortable, getting through your progressions, Manny Diaz was sending about 13 people. I think he was pulling people from the stands and sending them on blitzes. And Sean Clifford got the ball out to the right receiver very quickly. The That right there, starting from a higher platform, that's, that is something that can help you. And you need that going into Purdue. Like, you're starting on the road at Purdue, so not having a brand new offense starting on the road again at a Big Ten school, that gives you a little bit more buffer, and hopefully for Penn State fans and for Penn State, it gets you a win on the road because you're more efficient, and that's what all these things are. I do want to get to the other quarterbacks. We're about halfway through. I like to keep the show to about an hour. As long as we're having fun, we'll go a little bit longer, but I do want to get through all the quarterbacks. So Christian Veyu, Dave, I'm going to start with you. Go back around the other way and uh, give me uh, one interesting thing you saw from Christian Veyu or your thoughts on how he performed yesterday during uh, the scrimmage. Yeah. Um, you know, I just think it's very apparent that Penn State feels comfortable with Christian Veyu as its backup quarterback, right? I mean, I, it, 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 it's kind of just been hammered over and over and over again uh, to us by James Franklin. So I think that's good, obviously. Um, I think he's the clear number two. And not that that's been like stated outright, but that just kind of seems, you know, reading between the lines, very obvious. Um, and, you know, I mean, I, I don't think he was great Saturday. I, I think in like the official um, stats that they like, like cherry picked which periods that they would count them for. He was yeah. like five for 14, which is not ideal. Yeah. But again, it doesn't matter. I'm like, I, I know, I know what we're doing here. Doesn't matter. I'm sorry. So yeah, uh, he's, he's gonna, he's gonna be fine. Penn state feels good about him. He's the number two, some good throws, some bad throws. Uh, I'll let you go first, Nate, before I give kind of a wrap up on my thoughts of, of what I saw from him that filled in some of the gaps for me. But Nate, I want you to, uh, you to go first and give me your impressions of your detailed analysis of what you saw when you rewatched the, the game today. I know you took notes. You have pass. a legal pad, right? Pass. <laughs> Fine. Okay. I'll go. I, I, I didn't think. I didn't look like. Uh, just being very blunt, I didn't think any of the quarterbacks had a good day, uh, and I and I don't yeah. think that that's a bad thing. I, I just it. Okay. <laughs> you know. You know. So like, I, I just I'm not gonna sit here and uh you you know like harp on these guys for n not having a tremendous spring game it's such a weird circumstance yeah uh, but 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 like uh christian value one word unremarkable fine yeah yeah i i would say a little uneven because there were some throws that were great but not to sound too much like sean clifford from a couple years ago or last year but anything over 20 yards was kind of a uh, there was there was a couple plays. There was one play that was a clear miscommunication with him and with Tyler Warren. And then there were a couple other plays that were clear misses when he threw the ball to a place that was not 
catchable for the receiver. It was either uh, just over or pretty far over their head. So a little bit of a mixed bag from him, but when you saw him operate against zone defenses, I thought he read the I thought he read everything well, and that was an encouraging thing. But then when it came to placing the ball where he wanted it down the field, that part did not go as well. And that, I was a little surprised by that. I thought he was a little bit more of an accurate player. Um, and again, it could be a number of things that caused that. But it was something that I thought was noticeable on uh, deep balls yesterday. He he had the the connection with Dotton. I think it was a two point conversion at the be- at the very beginning. It was that yeah. value that threw that. Uh, yeah, that was yeah, a good yep. Yeah, that was a good and pass. That, that was a good, <laughs> good pass. Like, exactly. So that there are he read things. He can read things well. He gets through his progressions. He gets the ball out on time accurately. It's just you know, learning more things about him. We'll see if he uh, you know we'll see either in practice, or uh, we'll see if he ever gets into a game. If those things that we saw here, if they hold water, or you know we're just gathering information. So now we've got another thing to put in the folder. So the young guys. Uh, dealer's choice, Nate, coming back to you with which young quarterback you want to, you want to talk about. I'll let you guys split this group so you can talk about one and Dave, you can talk about the other. All right. I'm, I'm taking the, I'm taking the stud. I'm taking, I'm taking, uh, Aller. I thought he was That's the stud. That's the stud. Oh, oh, you should ask the internet. You should have asked the internet today, which one was the stud, (laughs) but I'm sorry. I derailed you. Please continue. Did I, did I miss the memo there? Um, (laughs) yeah, like. He, he was nervous and he missed some throws that he probably uh, could could connect with if if he had the chance again. And I thought that again, like I, T Frank, I'm absolutely deferring to you on this one. I think that the ball flies off of his hand. Uh, it, it just it's their zip. It looks effortless. Uh, give him some seasoning. Give him some time to make the right decisions and you know build up rapport and relationships with those receivers and he he will be fine he he will be absolutely fine um the the arm talent is there it's just a matter of you know refining it and 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 really like and i think that this is a thing that we've talked about before that there is a difference between being able to make all the throws and playing quarterback Oh yeah, and so yep. that's that's the transition that has to happen for him, I think. Yeah, uh, I'll wrap everything up. So, Dave, uh, you go next. I I'll, I'll save my thoughts for the end, and then I'll filibuster. Exciting. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. So when I wasn't confusing him with Christian Veyu because they were both number nine, <laughs> uh, I thought I thought Bo Prabula was was good. Um, you know, he was he looked athletic, which I think is kind of what's been emphasized to us throughout the spring is that he is above or I guess a, ahead of Alar physically. Um, and I think that was pretty, pretty evident. Um, yeah. And, you know, I mean, he made the throws that he had to. I, I think he, he, he kind of he did what he was supposed to do. He wasn't overwhelmed, which I think is instructive, um, given uh, the circumstances, he was fine. Um, so yeah, definitely a good start for him. I thought, uh, Devin, I didn't forget about you. I wanted to get through the quarterbacks before we address anything else. So I'll get to you in just a second. Uh, but I'm going to put this up here. Um, again, 
because I think that this is actually very accurately describing Christian Veyu. Uh and, and the throw that he put in for a touchdown that Harrison Wallace gets credit for of like a great throw. Yeah, that he wasn't supposed to throw the ball to that spot, given the coverage and given where Johnny Dixon was. So, yes, he absolutely trusts his receivers. And yes, maybe a little bit too much. Uh, but that gives you a chance to make plays. Uh, so when it comes to Drew Aller, I thought he got kind of a bad rap after watching the way things were unfolding and when you really watch what the receivers were doing. And let me give you an example. Um, Liam Clifford was running a slant and go. And when you're running these routes, you have landmarks you're looking for of when to turn up field. And he got pushed off his route by the defender. So Aller throws with timing a lot like this is a conversation I had with somebody about uh, his performance in the all-star game in San Antonio where he didn't look as good he relies like a good quarterback should on receivers being in the place they're supposed to be and he throws to a spot against zone coverage so Liam Clifford is too far inside he throws to the wrong shoulder because of that because he's throwing up the seam and the ball looks like he's off target there are a couple other instances where receivers were supposed to settle into a spot because it's zone coverage. So he's throwing away from a defender and the receiver isn't also playing that zone. This is what it is to be a good zone receiver is you read these things and you and the quarterback have chemistry to know, hey, in this situation, if the Mike linebacker is uh, screaming over this way, I'm going to fit it to the backside. So throttle down and I'll hit you between those guys. Now, I don't know if that's exactly what happened, but I have some questions that I would like answered on that fact because I can read the play one of two ways. Either you think you, the receiver, you just hit the receiver wherever he is, or there's this next level of knowing where the receiver should be and putting the ball where it's supposed to be based on the timing and the landmarks of the play. So without talking to Mike Yersich, without knowing you know exactly how it's taught, then I... I'm giving the benefit of the doubt to the player who I didn't see make a physical mistake in those situations. Uh, there were some that were, it, this is not to say that Drew Aller was perfect because he was not. The interception, that's behind the receiver. The receiver still got his hands on it. I count that as a drop. I would not put that on the quarterback, but it wasn't perfectly accurate. So I think the nerves are real, Nate, to your point, that he was not as sharp as he normally is, what I've seen from him previously. And then from Bo Perbula, his processing is really good. So he knows what he's looking at, and he's throwing the ball to the receiver very quickly. So he has seen pre-snap what it is. He quickly diagnoses and then throws the ball. That's why he looks so... That's why he flashes so much. I thought sometimes he was a little too fast. There were some times that I thought he was throwing some predetermined stuff. Uh, and this is what you're getting from the 7-on-7, seven seven, by the way. So this is not all from the team period. This is kind of the stuff that you're reading the coverage, you're seeing where the quarterback is throwing, going through his mental process and finding the receiver. A lot of the stuff, that's what, if you don't know what the coverage is doing, then you're just seeing the quarterback standing and looking at stuff and not throwing the football. So I thought both of them processed well, but Prabula went through things quicker. Um, but yeah, just there was one play where Drew Aller threw the ball casually 50 yards. And I didn't realize it because he just, it was effortless and he, he overthrew the receiver by three or four yards. But then I went back and I went, oh, wow, he, he stepped into it, but he didn't like heave it. I think he could get 70, 75 if he had to. So, uh, you know, I thought they were both good, but 
with some obvious freshman wrinkles. So we'll move on here. And Nate, I actually want to get to this. I wanted to get to this at the beginning of the show, but I got all flustered. So I didn't get to this now. You have a little bit of news to break here on the show that you dropped in the BWI uh, premium forum earlier this week. So premium message board members have this information. They've had it for a couple hours now, actually for over a full day. But here on the show, we're going to drop it here today. So tell us what we need to know that you found out this weekend. Yeah, that's that was more buildup than I'm comfortable uh, with taking. No, I, uh, Penn State is going to name an uh, athletic director. When? I can't be that specific because I don't actually know exactly. But uh, Penn State will will name a, an athletic director soon. I'm I'm fairly confident in that. Um, that the that the the uh, process of right like finding, selecting, narrowing down all all of that stuff. Uh, if, if they don't have a person and a deal worked out, they are very, very close to that point. So now I think, I think it's something that can be expected, uh, you know, relatively soon. So we'll, we'll see maybe, maybe as early as this week. That was, uh, something that when I was researching, we were going to, we were talking about the athletic director search and some of the stuff behind that a couple weeks ago. Um, and I, I, do you remember the name of the company that they hired? to do the athletic director search. I can't remember the name of it. Um, and I apologize. I meant to look that up before the lock, show. Lock key. Like, secure alert. <laughs> Are you just naming your 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 home security system? <laughs> life, life water. Is this an I love lamp sort of situation? Uh, yes. <laughs> but, but what I read about them, more importantly than the name of them, is that they are very discreet. And they do a very thorough job of getting the the getting the candidate uh, quickly and discreetly. So uh, this is ahead of your projections, even with that in mind, right? So this is pretty quick. Um, but you know, I think that there's been some time. I I okay. know, like we're, we're the conversation of, uh, about uh, Neely, Doctor Neely Bendapudi, is that there's this kind of this transition that uh, Doctor Eric Barron will phase out, um, but you know I think she's fairly involved. I think she's been hands on at Penn State for some time, um, you know, and I think that you know what we were talking about um, Sandy Barber's first comments after announcing that she would retire this summer um came uh, really the first day of spring practice right so that was march mm -hmm. 21 so we're we're 5 weeks down the line now okay um you know i'm not i'm i'm not overly surprised i think i think maybe it's a little bit ahead of of the schedule that i anticipated but no it's you know look like this <laughs> uh there, it there needs to happen lot, <laughs> there's a lot to do yeah. right it, this is this is uh, the circle of life at Penn State University it's happening. Uh, I want to get back to Devin. So that little nugget, make sure you keep your ears to the ground. Follow Blue White Illustrated on Twitter. Follow us on Twitter. And uh, I'll throw up their Twitter handles here, of course, at Nate Bauer BWI. He'll have an article about that when it happens. You can follow Dave Eckert at Dave Eckert 98. So we'll have a reaction to that when it happens. Uh, and of course, sign up for Blue White Illustrated. It's a link, the first link in this video. Scroll down, you click it, you join for just a dollar, then you get the information from Nate 
directly either in the premium article or on the message board. All that stuff can be yours. You can be on the inside of all this stuff so you don't have to wait for me to yammer about it on YouTube. Blue White Illustrated for $1, 12 months of access. Get all the good stuff. Uh, so Devin has been waiting patiently here for a while to get Nick Singleton thoughts. So Dave, is there anything that stood out to you about Nick Singleton on uh, Saturday? Well, T. Frank, he, he took the first running back rep, which was a two-point mm-hmm. conversion. Is he the starter? No, I don't know. Um, <laughs> I, thought, I, thought he was, I thought he was relatively nondescript, but that's fine, right? Yeah. He, didn't, he didn't explode. Um, he had, I think he had one nice run. Um, you know, he kind of got bottled up, and, and we're going to get to this. Um, uh, Penn State's interior blocking I don't think was too great or too encouraging. Um, yeah. But... Yeah, you know, he wasn't phenomenal, but again, that's okay. I promise you it's okay. Yeah. Like, the, the sky is not falling. It's fine. Yeah, he, he was in a lot of rough situations where there was a guy in the backfield, and he didn't really have a lot of room to do anything. Thought he l- ran a really good angle route for a touchdown late against Jamari Budden. Uh, and it just was one of those things where against the normal running back, against a normal football player, Budden took one or two steps too far outside. Maybe you get back to make that play. Maybe you make it tough. But Nick Singleton, uh, his burst and change of direction, even as a route runner, that was one area that I was impressed with. I still think he kind of cradles the ball in. I don't think Catron Allen looks beautiful catching the ball. The ball just in his hands, soft, comes in, puts it away, gets upfield. There's a little bit of I'm still kind of learning how to do this from Singleton, but he hasn't dropped anything that I've seen. Like I think his hands are secure. Um, so that was a, a great sign that he's evolved that part of his game, having done none of that at his high school at uh, Governor Mifflin. So that's, that's a good sign. Um, are we ready to get to the uh, stuff from the post-game press conference. You guys, any last thoughts about football things that happened yesterday? I thought I thought Nick uh, got blown up on one of his pass protection. I, I can't remember exactly which one it was. That was not his fault. Yeah, that was yeah, not his fault. Uh, <laughs> that was kind of funny because he's blocking a defensive yeah. end, and it's a mean Vanover who's two like almost two seventy. It didn't go well, and that that was gave me a moment of pause, but. Um, no, I mean, look, like, yeah, the, the, the book is out on uh, on Mr. Singleton for this spring. Yeah, I'm, I, I can't help myself. I, I'm I, you got me wound up about all the film I watched today. So on that play, um, there's a blitzer and the the offensive lineman responsible for the defensive end. And this is just my read of the play is that do you want to take the defensive end of a free rush at the running back who is in the quarterback's lap already? So that you can go get the outside guy because the, the, the tackle decided I'm going to go get the outside guy who's a 212 pound blitzing slot something or other safety linebacker don't care. Or are you going to block the defensive end and let the running back work over to the guy he's that's his size. So this happened with the blocking and then Nick Singleton ends up in the lap of the quarterback. So yeah that's not his fault. That is absolutely and, and- not his fault. In the lap of the quarterback, like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I still thought he like put his nose in there and did a good job, but it, it didn't. It wasn't what he was supposed to do on that play. Um, so I want to play this for you because this was, I think, there were many interesting interesting parts of what James Franklin had to say about a bunch of different things after uh, the spring practice, including the future of the blue white game, how he's an old school coach, but. 
I think he gave voice to the frustration that Penn State fans have had for a while now. Um, offensive line, you know, uh, who's going to replace the guys that left? And, and can we take a step where you guys ask me about the offensive line? I say something, and then we back it up on the offensive line. He kind of sounds a little bit fed up with being hung out to dry by offensive linemen. Is that fair to say, <laughs> Nate? Um, yeah, maybe. I, you know, I don't know. If, I don't. I don't know if "hung out to dry" is you know quite the right way to put it. But I think that his optimism not being rewarded yes. is probably right. Like he, he because he's, he's putting himself out there every season, saying this is the year. I'm. We're going to manifest this. We. I believe in these guys. The positivity. We're going to take that step. And and this is the first time there's been a little bit of little bit of ass kick in his positivity. Yeah, I think that's fair for sure. Uh, Dave, your just your thoughts on that situation and what you saw from the offensive line uh, this spring, or I know that one guy in particular stood out to you uh, during the scrimmage and during the spring. Yeah, um, I did. Obviously, I mean, based on how things went for the offense during the scrimmage, I don't think the offensive line in its totality was great or even good or average um, yeah it, it, it wasn't ideal um you know but but look they don't have their full their 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 full uh i can't think of the word that not everybody's there compliment of players <laughs> you know compliment compliment that's what yeah. i was thinking of that's what i was looking for um right hunter norzad still coming they've got four true freshmen that are still coming so and they had a, a boatload of injuries there this spring, which is the reason that the blue-white game was played in that bizarre scrimmage nonsense. So all of that is to say, um, I don't think it was awesome. I don't think it was super encouraging, but I also don't think it's prohibitive to improvement. Um, yeah. And the, the one thing I was encouraged by, and again, you know, this is kind of what we were leading up to, is, is Olu Fashanu, Right. Um, he, he won, uh, the award for like the, the best offensive player in spring practice, which again is, is what you want to see, because I think of all of the guys that Penn state is counting on there, he's probably the most important, um, yeah. cause he's the left tackle, yep. right? That's Sean Clifford's blind side. You know, I'm not, I'm not, you know, reinvent, reinventing electricity here. Um, so, you know, Penn state needs him. He was good in spring. There's not much more to it than that. That's encouraging as a whole, though, probably left some to be desired from from what we saw. I, think. I really appreciate you uh, mixing up that Id- idiom there. I, I, I very much. appreciate. Yeah, it was it. awful. It was awful. <laughs> you know, my brain is turned off. It's bedtime. <laughs> reinventing the wheel is what I was going. For. No, but I liked reinventing electricity. I, I think it's a modern yeah. spin on on an old <laughs> tired idiom. I appreciate it. Also, randomly, I've been learning about electricity this week. I learned about alternating currents and direct currents and transformers, and I just was on a YouTube rabbit hole the other night. So, uh, anyway, uh, players we that should end the show. End the show. <laughs> We're coming up to the end of it. We're coming up to the end of it. Uh, you know. I, I listen, I only like I'm a football robot. So, you know, I just want people to know I do do other things. My brain does other things. Uh, guys that took a step forward this spring. Dave, you went with Olafashanu. Um, now, Nate, who are your guys that you thought took a, a step forward this spring? I thought Keandre Lambert Smith looked good yesterday. 
for what it's worth, uh, and and is a guy who they need to take that next step. Um, you know, I, I think that there is a confidence in the receivers as a whole, right? Like, because look, like if we're being honest about the last couple of years, it was really a a Batman and Robin situation, right? I mean, you, you had a top guy in John Dotson, you had a second guy in Parker Washington, and then it kind of, it just dropped off. And I mean, even the drop off between Dotson and Washington was pretty severe. And so I think, I think that the combination of, right? Like, so you got Mitchell Tinsley and Parker Washington. I think that those two are on their own Island as, in terms of like trust the most, but then you've got you've got three others, right? In Malik Mega, uh, in uh, Keandre Lambert Smith, and the last one, Trey Wallace. Yeah. Right. So like th- you've got so th- just uh, a, a breadth of possibility there at receiver who are it, they're not a year or two away anymore, yeah. right? The year or two away have transpired, and so now there's an opportunity for those guys to get in there and start to. Um, you know, really uh, put their value, right? Like demonstrate what they're capable of doing. Yeah. Um, in the vein of James Franklin quotes that make more sense to me now, uh, Mitchell Tinsley makes more sense to me of a guy that clearly has a lot of talent, but could get faster. And I was surprised, and and I think I, this is an encouraging sign for Penn State fans, Tinsley played in the slot in the absence of Parker Washington. And did a really good job. So last season, to me, that was a big problem. That that was why Marquise Wilson, in my opinion, moved to receiver. There was nobody behind Parker Washington. So if he got hurt last year, I I don't know what they're doing. Like they might be putting a tight end there. There's you know you might replace all of what he's doing with a different receiver. That would have been a little ugly. But when you've got the the flexibility too, Keandre Lambert Smith playing in the slot, a couple of his plays. I thought he played really well. He, he played inside, outside. That versatility, the ability to move players around, all of that was really uh, impressive. So I agree with you there. And I made a mistake. I should have put uh, Zaki Wheatley here and guys that took a forward, step forward for the spring. And the player that flashed was Akeem Beeman. But, you know, Beeman has been a guy that James Franklin has been, you know, he's doing good. Got to keep him on track. Got to keep his head on straight, making sure that he's focused on all the little things. But when he's on the football field, holy cow. Like, he was dominating people yesterday. And there were plays that weren't exactly showing up. He was just trucking guys. And you talk about leverage and, you know, strength and winning with those things over just size. He was on the other side of the line of scrimmage almost every play. He and Zane Durant, I think, might have been 9 for 10 when I was watching them of being on the line of scrimmage, beating their block, and screwing up a play. So having those guys, having depth at that position, you really want Hakeem Beeman to play. You really do. It is nice to have Zane Durant there as well, but those, you know, the hype is real for Zane Durant and Hakeem Beeman. He could be big this, this fall if he plays. This is this is so obvious, but has to be reiterated. Uh, if you come if you come away from Saturday thinking anything, and I, and I mean I do think that this is true. Like Penn State can't afford 
to not have its best players be available. Yeah. And that's what demonstrated itself, right? Is PJ Mustafer is one of Penn State's best players. He's not available, right? Hakeem yeah. Beeman is one of Penn State's best players. Adisa Isaac, like you go on and on down the list. Uh, Parker Washington, not available on Saturday. Like they, it's just, they, they are positioned to have success if their best players are available. And if they're not, then things aren't going to be as good. <laughs> like, it's so stupid to hear it come out of my voice, but it's it's true. Um, but so th- there and, is and this. I think Beeman is a great example of that. But, but Nate, there is this sort of, and this is what I push back on. Something I've seen more interacting with fans is like they don't care about that. The result is the result, and you've. And it makes me very uncomfortable when I hear, especially like you've got to get production out of those bodies, which then dehumanizes the football player but that's the you know like you there's another guy in the roster he's a scholarship player now he's got to play at a big 10 acceptable level and there's like there's no room for understanding those situations so i think it is important to say that you know what not every single team has three deep of all sec players because you're watching these Saturday night games and you're seeing one guy go down with an ACL and then another five-star jumps on the field. That is not the situation Penn State's in. So yes, it is important to to say that. Um, and for Lambda, he is a three technique for shizzle. He is not a defensive end. He could play defensive end, but he's playing three tech and he's doing it very well. So on the flip side of guys that took a step forward, who are you putting a pin in and saying, okay, not what I was expecting. Maybe I had higher hopes, but we're going to put them on hold for now. Dave, I want to go back to you. Who's who's somebody that you feel that way about? Yeah, I kind of shot my shot a little bit already. Just like the interior offensive line collectively. Yeah. Not great. Yeah, and they'll is. be getting... Um, that's an area where they're getting their most reinforcements as well. So right. we'll see how the fall comes, but you're right. I think that's a very fair point. Nate, uh, what about you? Yeah, uh, this can go in a few different areas or directions, but for as many players, uh, James Franklin pointed out afterwards how unique the situation is that so many of the mid-semester enrollees are are poised to make a contribution, right? Yeah. Like, kind of right off the bat. Um, I think that, that while that is true, there's a, a, the other half, which is not. Yeah. <laughs> right. And, yep. and so uh, uh, the quarterbacks like done that it's a the conversation is over. Right. Uh, Amari Evans. Nope. Caden uh, <laughs> Saunders. Probably not. Right? You're like, taking and, mine. And, oh, OK. I'm sorry. I'll, I'll stop with the quarterbacks. <laughs> no, but no, the, no. But the point you're like, the you're point right. remains is you you have to allow these guys to, to grow and to get bigger physically and to, yep. to learn the game, like all of those things. Um, it's just it's just. uh we, we have this uh, human nature to want to to speed up the development process and nope, let, let them go. Let yep. them see in a year. Yeah. Yeah. I, especially those receivers, because, again, seven on seven, you got to see a little bit more of them. Both Amari Evans and Caden Saunders toasted some guys at times. But then I think Evans, this is his first time playing receiver. He played quarterback in, in high school 
and moon he was moonlighting as a slot receiver. So like he's learning everything about the position. There was one play in the seven on seven where he did not fill in, you know, backfill in a quarterback scramble. And James Franklin ran 30 yards to go yell at him about it. So like that's the things that he's learning and he has never played at that position to to know at this point. And then with Caden Saunders, like my concern was he needs to get bigger and stronger. He's still in the middle of that process. There were some times he just got stuck on some corners. Um, those are going to be my guys, but I, I can I can go with yours, Nate, because I think it was, until further notice, Jamari Budden is a guy we didn't see a lot of, and when he did, I thought he was okay. But still, I, I, I think that there's a lot of other answers at the Sam Linebacker sub-package position that they're going to go with, you know, Daquan Hardy enough. They're going to go with three safeties that Jamari Budden is a good player, we're going to see where he goes eventually, but it just seems like there are more options at that 11th defender spot. So the last thing is, and Nate, I want to get this for you because this was some news today about Oklahoma announcing yeah. their NIL deal because this is going to get into yeah. a conversation with uh, one of our chat members. I'll throw this up here because they asked about this earlier. Um, save the worst for last, which guys are possibly leaving. And where is the staff going to have to look into the portal for help? These two things, according to you, Nate, they tie together, right? Or could? Could. Could. I, okay, so so this actually happened yesterday afternoon. Obviously, we were in the middle of everything, right? So uh, did not cross my radar at that time, but Oklahoma announced a new uh, NIL collective and, and more or less is making the claim that it is prepared to uh, have deals in place for everyone on the roster uh, for between forty and fifty thousand dollars annually, right? Like uh, it is two things: one, game changing, right? Uh, nobody else has had or, or put that type of, uh, you know, nobody's put it in those terms, right? Like there, there's been some conversation about everyone on Texas's offensive line, like uh, some, some deals at Miami for certain minimum thresholds. This is, Hey, like 50 grand. If you're on Oklahoma's football team is what you can expect. If you read the fine print, it, it breaks it out a little bit more into saying like, has the opportunity to do this. Yeah. Um, but, but I, I still think that it, it sets a standard of, Hey, this, this is where things are going is, is, and, and, uh, you know, my larger point here is it's something that's possible at Penn state. If you, if you do the math on 50 K for 125 players, uh, mm -hmm. which is obviously the, the full allotment, um, it's $6.25 million a year. Okay. Thank you. I did not it want to is, do math live. That's scary. It's, it's, it's a lot of money, but it's not a lot of money. And so is Penn state as a, as a university, as an institution with its alumni base, it's, it's number of supporters who love and feel passionate about Penn state football. Is it capable of doing that? I think so. Yeah. Is it in a position to do that right now? Absolutely not. Is it in a position <laughs> to do that annually too? So that's, that's another question. $6.2 million annually. That's right. A little different story I, there. I just, I just, uh, you know, part of the the process and the trajectory that we've had and that we've been watching from July one of last year to now is 
you know, this notion of outliers, right? Like you, yeah. you've got certain players, certain high profile players who are, are doing these big deals, right? That that's fine. And, and that will continue to dominate headlines and, and those types of things. This is something else. This represents a model of where things are going, how you can build a college football program and maybe the, the entry requirement. Yeah. Right. Like is, is, Hey, this is, this is the ante for getting into the game. And, you know, it, it's just a, it's just a matter of is, is like one to me, it's very interesting, but two translating it to Penn state and how it might apply at Penn state is also very interesting because I know that they're not in a position to do it right now, but it's something that potentially I think you're going to see, right. Yeah. You're, you're going to see as being uh, a necessity moving forward. Uh, so Dave Lambda has a question for you here and we're wrapping up in the next couple of minutes, but I want to make sure we get through some of this stuff. It's very important to the future of football and Lambda does not seem on board with that. If it starts 50 K a year, where does it end Dave? Uh, I don't know. I don't think anybody else does either, but yeah. I do think if you're a Penn state fan that you better get comfortable with it fast, because if you don't, <laughs> then the Penn state football program is going to suffer. So yeah. Uh, yeah, I guess that's my take. Nate. Yeah, I mean, look, like there, there will be a, there will be a line of of diminishing returns, right? Where yeah. it becomes so outlandish, right? I mean, what's the minimum for an NFL player now? Four hundred thousand, five hundred thousand. Yeah, half okay. a million. Uh, um, you know, is is that going to be the standard in college football? Uh, I suspect not. Yeah. Right. Like I, I don't anticipate that be, but like the market will correct itself as well. Also. <laughs> this is just, it's so new. Right. And so there, there's going to be this feeling out process where, Hey, maybe Oklahoma does put that 50 K up, uh, in terms of its community, being able to support that out of its 125 players. Um, and then Oklahoma say goes eight and four for a few years and yep. the alumni base isn't so, um, enthused about that. And maybe that 50 dips to 30. Right. Like, yeah. I don't know. I mean, it's it's just it, it, this process is going to go back and forth and back and forth and back and forth where I, I think that there's very likely a scenario where somebody who, you know, cashes in on a big deal and then flops and is terrible in their college career, like also offers as a course correction for the market. Yeah. So we'll see. We'll, you know, like it's, it, it, this thing is going to feel its way out. But uh, again, it's just very, very much this notion of having a baseline from which to work. Like yep. that, to me, is the key. Is everyone's getting a slice of that pie in Oklahoma football, and I think that's what that's what's going to be required moving forward. I was thinking about applying for a scholarship, Rockefeller, so I could get paid fifty thousand. So, uh, let you know, I'm picking up next year's tab. That's for sure. I just look good. That's that's the difference. Is I there's a great facade that we have here at the BWI Live Show. And speaking of working itself out, Nate, we're gonna we're gonna get out of here. We've worked ourselves out. We're I'm spent. You know, have uh, I worked a, till one thirty last night. <laughs> So My I'm going to bed. Yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, and you all get a break tomorrow. Uh, there's no BWI live show at Monday. We shot our shot here. Uh, we are going to be uh, taking the day off. We'll be back 
next Monday, though, giving you our thoughts about whatever's going on in football at that point. I'm your host, Thomas Frank Carr, for Nate Bauer and Dave Eckert. This was so much fun. Thank you to everybody who participated. Thank you to MShy for the donation to the channel. Always appreciate that. We will be back tomorrow on the BWI Daily Edition. And, of course, BlueWhiteIllustrated.com. Sign up for just a dollar and get all kinds of great stuff. We'll talk to you then.